What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Tackles. I am your host, Alex Pinelli, and alongside me, as always, is Dean Montalbano today. Dino, just we got the two-man game tonight. No Ray. Two-man. But uh, we got a great episode for the people. We got week seven of the college football season. Dino, my man, how we feeling? We feel great. We, You know, we were uh, listening. You know, we heard the people. The people wanted Ray off. They wanted to hear the dynamic duo just take over and just dominate. And, you know, that's what that's what we're going to do tonight. They were going back to our uh, our running back summer scouting app, and they were like, get Ray off the pod. Yeah. Oh Everybody's been talking about it. That was a great app. That was a good Back app. to that. That was great. We gave Bucky Irvin some early love. <laughs> we're definitely going to get some Bucky talking today. today so, for sure, right now. Yeah. Um, After before, prospects. Before, before we get to the game previews, because I always forget the order in which we need to do this. Uh, before we get to our game previews, let's talk about some prospects that had really good week sixes. Dino, who's the first guy on your list? First for me has got to be Cam Hart, uh, the corner out of uh, Notre Dame. He was just an absolute stud against Louisville. Tough loss for them. That defense was better than everyone thinks, though, at least at least during that day. And the offense made it atrocious for them. But, you know, he only let up one catch for 11 yards, I believe, on 55 Um snaps that he played uh, i obviously all of those were not um you know we're not passing plays for louisville but still very impressive the guy has shown out this year and is definitely rising up draft boards yeah he's been really really solid all season so definitely a prospect that we're looking out for first guy for me um is trey benson who call back to that running back summer scouting episode was my number one running back out of the summer scouting. He's kind of gotten off to a little bit of a slow start this year, um, especially in terms of just yardage. But last week, 11 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns. This dude is an absolute dog of a runner. Um, I'm not so worried about his numbers this year. Just really like his overall feel, his physicality, and his pace, and his contact balance. I think he's going to be a really, really good running back at the next level. Um, so hopefully he continue to put out good showings like this and uh, keep rising up draft boards. Without a doubt. Yeah. All right, who's the last guy you got? Uh, I'm going to butcher it, but it has to be the UCLA edge. in Laya to Latu. I always say it's it wrong. My boy. It's actually bad considering that he's been just a force to be reckoned with for two years. And we did a pretty decent amount of content on him last year. And I still can't say his name bad on me. But, uh, you know, I thought the personally, I thought this past weekend, I thought the Washington Air Raid would have some success against this UCLA defense, which has been stout and has been great. I, I hasn't really played up to the competition, I believe, of this Washington uh, State Air Raid. And I was very wrong. Um, and that's almost all thanks to this guy right here. He had one sack two QB hits and seven hurries on 10 QB pressures. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Guys, a one man wrecking crew. So it's gotta be a lot too. Yeah. This has been a, my guy for everybody that's been yeah. listening to these episodes yes. um, all the way through last year. This has been a, my guy for me. Absolutely love this dude. Absolute dog. Can't wait to see him at the next level. He just continues to improve. So um, love the shout out there. I think that's the second shout out he's gotten um, for the stock up portion of the set of these uh of these dude. podcasts so so good for him dude he um, deserves it he has like 28 
pressures he's crazy. on the year. That's crazy. That has to be maybe the most in the country. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would assume that he's in the top three for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the last guy I want to mention is Edrin Cooper, a linebacker out of Texas A&M. Um, tough loss against Bama last week. They really gave that game away, but he was outstanding in this game. Uh, had 11 tackles, three sacks, and a forced fumble. He's got six sacks in the last three games. Um, he's an off-ball linebacker, uh, but he's a great blitzer and just an awesome athlete in the middle of the field. He's just shot out of a cannon when he comes downhill. He played the QB spy role against Alabama with Milrow and really made Jalen Milrow make throws and did not let him beat them with his legs, did a really good job with that. He's most likely a day three kind of player, late day two player if he keeps improving. But this guy's going to be awesome on special teams, and he'll be a sub linebacker. Um, early on in his career. So I wanted to give him a shout out too, because he's a really good player, had a really good past few weeks. All right, my friend, let's get to the game previews. We got four game previews for the people. Um, We'll each take a side. uh, We'll each take a team. And then Dino, you're going to give us some betting angles, which we love here at BTT. So first game we got on tap, I think it's, the best game of the week, honestly. It's number eight, Oregon, going to number seven, Washington. Washington is a three-point favorite right now. Um, And I'll start for Washington here. And I'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball for them because I think that's where the game has to be won for this Huskies team because as good as they are on offense, this defense can really get exposed. And Oregon has the horses to do so. They've shown it this season. Their offense has been really efficient um, and really dynamic. Washington has been absolutely horrible stopping the run, and this Oregon offensive line is one of the best in the country, and Bucky Irving can get loose at any time. I'm expecting them to load the box and make Bo Nix beat them and hopefully force a turnover, hopefully get a couple of stops and get it back to their offense. Um, They really don't turn it over, so they're going to need Bo Nix to make a mistake. And he's been really good all season not doing that. Um, offensively, th- this defense, uh, offensively, this this team is just loaded. Uh, Michael Penix has been absolutely outstanding all season. The three horses that they have at wide receiver with the Dunze, McMillan, and Polk have been great. If this defense cannot get enough stops, I think they're going to need 45-plus to win this game. Um, Washington does a really good job creating mismatches with motions, Um, so they're going to get enough looks one-on-one with these really good receivers. I think the big key for them is their interior offensive line blocking. They have excellent tackles, uh, with Fontenot and Rosengarten, but brand Dorless and Popo in the middle of that Oregon defensive line are really good. And they are, they're going to make those long explosive plays for Washington really hard to hit if they can get interior pressure. So if they can block up front, um, and they can put up 45, then they got a shot to win. But they need to get a couple stops against this Oregon offense. Love it. Yeah, no, uh, I'll I'll take the reins here and go straight to Oregon. But before I do so, I mean, it, it doesn't get much better than this, as you said. Definitely has potential to be game of the game of the week for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even more than that. This game is going to be tough. Uh, two top ten offenses in the country going at it, and obviously you have two NFL quarterback 
prospects that you know are slated to enter this upcoming NFL draft. So I, I'll start offensively for the Ducks. Um, I'll say this: I guess if if I'm Will Stein, and I feel like you you elaborated this pretty well, I, I, which is the offensive coordinator for for the Ducks, I, I'm doing everything I can to get this lethal running game going. And that obviously starts with Bucky Irving. He's been amazing so far, averaging almost eight yards per carry, which is quite literally ridiculous. Um, although the Huskies D has been very solid unit, they they have been lacking in the tackle department, tackling department. And Bucky Irving averages 4.41 yards after contact, which is obviously insane. And if they're able, to, if he's able to get close to that, you know, if you can keep that number up and, Additionally, Bo Nix can be surgical, getting some smart first downs. Then, you know, the the Ducks will be able to control this tempo and therein lies control the game. Uh, defensively, this this unit for the Ducks has, has been great. But the defense, the best defense, I believe, in this matchup is going to be that offense that I, that I spoke of and controlling this tempo. This offense of the Huskies have is just too dynamic. And Penix will get his. That's just a fact. Yeah. I mean, if you can if you can get a turnover, great. But he's going to put up points where points need to be had. So you really just need to control that tempo. And then I'll move forward onto the uh, the marker report for this game. Uh, the spread has been teetering back and forth between two and a half and three in favor of the home team, which is the Washington Huskies. So they have been uh, negative two and a half. Uh, minus two and a half, minus three. I don't know why I keep saying negative. Uh, wh- while the total has jumped around 67 all the way to 69 um, mm. at some shops. Hey, but uh, I-, <laughs> I personally would like to see this total get kicked up around kickoff time Saturday, which I definitely think is possible. If we can get to the 70, 71, 71 and a half mark, you know, through key numbers. It, if that's the case, I believe there will be a, a great amount of value in the under for sure. I, I don't have a bet right now in my best bets, but uh, because I think I have a hammer, but besides that, I would check, make sure you're, you're ready Saturday morning to uh, hop in on this. Uh, I, I'll give you some trend numbers as well that help back this. The, the over in Oregon's last five games has gone one for five. And for Washington's last five games, it's been two for five and they've been playing way less defenses for both of them. So I mean, this over that's interesting. Is pretty crazy. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Um, I love that. I love I love that underplay. If if you're correct in your assessment that if it gets through seventy, um, that'd be really interesting. I think this line too. Um, if they're playing on a neutral site, I think Oregon's probably favored by one. Right? Would you think? I think Washington's a really tough place to play. That that place is gonna be rocking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's worth three points. Um, so I'm not, ta- I'm not touching this game. You Same. know, I, you know, I love Washington. They've been a wagon all season, but I don't love this matchup just for the things you said about their offensive line, how they can control the line of scrimmage in the run game. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. Let's go to, uh, let's go to our second game. Another really interesting matchup. We got number 10 USC going to South Bend to play number 21, Notre Dame. Notre, Notre Dame, a really tough loss last week against Louisville. And honestly, things have been kind of trending down for Notre Dame. Um, but for USC, this is the best defense that they have faced all season. And based on the weather conditions that we've been seeing, um, it's going to be a rainy, 
cold, wet, ugly game, which really plays into the hand of Notre Dame. Um, USC has not really stopped anybody on the ground all season, allowing over 150 yards a game, which I thought was pretty crazy um, considering how often they lead in games. I mean, they they allowed over 200 yards to Colorado, and Colorado doesn't want to run the football at all, which is ridiculous. Um, so I think this defensive line for USC has got to be stout. They need Bear Alexander. They need Solomon Bird and Jameel Muhammad to get a push on this offensive line and get some stops on early downs and make these wide receivers on the outside, who I don't think are that good for Notre Dame, beat them. Um but offensively, this is as talented of a team that we've seen in the country. Um, Caleb Williams has obviously just had another repeat season of his Heisman season last year. He's been unbelievable. Um, if Caleb can protect the ball, especially in a wet game, he only has one interception this year, but he definitely makes some throws week to week um, that can be had by defenses that are a little questionable. But um, he does get... He does get loose on some throws, so um, he needs to be sound in this game. And if they can get enough stops early in the game and play ahead, um, I think that should give them the edge. They need it. They need a couple more possessions than Notre Dame because if they allow Notre Dame to get ahead, Audrey Gastame can just delete the clock, and uh, and Notre Dame can take away with a win. Without a doubt, definitely. I- I'll take over, you know, both teams, both coming off very lackluster performances the week prior. Right. Of course, the Irish are the ones who uh, lost in this equation to a much, much tougher, not much, much tougher. That that was an exaggeration to, to a tougher Louisville team. But USC won by the skin of their teeth in triple OT against Arizona. I do want to give Arizona props, though. Uh, definitely a tough football team. We saw them give uh, the likes of, you know, Washington problems just two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll start offensively for the for the Irish, as this will be definitely the most interesting side of the ball. As you said, both of these teams have been trending downwards, and I, I tend to think that is most mostly on the Notre Dame offensive and USC defensive side. So, uh, you know, crazy stat for Notre Dame, but one out of every four offensive plays last week against Louisville went negative, which wow. is extremely hard to do. Uh, Sam, I, I was shocked when I even saw it and I watched the whole game, but Sam Hartman additionally, you know, had three picks that, that just won't fly. I, for one, definitely believe, and I've aired my, uh, my belief of this on this podcast many of times, but I believe Hartman has the potential to play great football and we've seen him play very, very good, very gritty football. Um, he will definitely have all the opportunity in the world this week against a USC defense that just let up. 300 plus yards, five TDs to Noah Fafita of Arizona. So uh, this, this offense needs to bounce back. Sam Hartman needs to not have three picks, obviously, and they need to be able to slice and dice through the air. They cannot rely on this, on this run game. Um, Even though, like you said, that might be their biggest hole to exploit. I still think Sam Hartman to be able to beat a Caleb Williams, he's going to need to throw it and throw it efficiently defensively for the Irish. This unit is getting a, a lot of slack for that Louisville game. Uh, I feel like I, I, I at least saw a good amount of it. I, I don't understand what those people were watching. Uh, they, I believe like the average field position for 
the Cardinals was like at their at the 50. I mean, they sneakily had a, a pretty solid performance. And like I said at the top of this program about Cam Hart, a cornerback for uh, Notre Dame Irish, he was phenomenal. And the secondary was pretty great. I mean, they were pretty solid at, at utilizing, at making sure Jake Plummer didn't do too much. This offense should have had many more points and should have gotten away from the this Irish team earlier than it did. Um, and then after that, they need to get home in the pass rush much more than they did last week as well. Only only recording two sacks, um, not a ton of dropbacks for Jake Plummer. I believe it was like 24, 25, but still you're going to have to get more pressure on a Caleb Williams, obviously, he's an all-world talent. Uh, for our marker report, though, there's not really much to report on. Uh, it might take people for a loop, though, in this matchup that Notre Dame is favored by two and a half and even up to three. I really thought the public would be in outrage and in awe after last week. Uh, I, I know that I saw a lot of people, a lot of sharp people saying that Notre Dame was the side last week, even with the spread. So uh, I guess they haven't soured on them. And I think there's more negative, uh, I guess, that was taken away from the Arizona-USC game. And then this uh, this total uh, got some under money uh, as of late and has trickled down from 66.5 to all the way down to 60.5, which is a pretty drastic move. Um, it probably opened at most shops around like 64.5-ish, but still four-point move is, is pretty significant, and that'll probably be due to exactly like you said, the the weather, the inclement weather. Yeah. There's really not much. It's been a pretty uh, 50-50 affair as far as uh, betting has gone. Yeah, originally when I was looking at this game, I thought it really set up for Notre Dame well, um, and – Originally, I was going to bet on Notre Dame, and now I'm kind of like shying away from this game because I just really don't know how this goes. Like you said, if Sam Hartman plays the way he did last week, I mean, you cannot give Caleb Williams too many shots because he's going to get his. Without a doubt. Just just like like we talked about Penix. Right. It could be a monsoon out there. He's going to – it's crazy. But should should be a good one. Looking forward to that game. Let's roll on to our third game. We got number 25, Miami, going to number 12, UNC. UNC, a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Um, Miami coming off an absolutely miserable, miserable loss against Georgia Tech, not kneeling the ball out. Did they they lose to Georgia Tech, or did they lose to Mario Cristobal? Dude, I mean, I... I How do you not get fired immediately, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's no excuse for it and i've been going down some rabbit holes um and some some x feeds uh oh my god that sounds so bad some twitter, <laughs> some twitter like some twitter feeds um threads like you know when you when you yeah. open it up and you look deeper supposedly it's happened a few times already so this is not the first he just does not believe in kneeling the football which is hilarious i, I mean I don't even feel like we should elaborate more because I'm pretty sure everyone in the world saw it. Right. Um, UNC has won four, uh, the last four games, and three of those games were decided by three points. So these games in the past have been very uh, highly contested. So looking for another highly contested game. Um, I'll take UNC here. Um, this team has been outstanding, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Drake may, while the numbers are, I guess, down from last year, he has been outstanding this season. They finally got Tez Walker back. 
last week after the absurd eligibility issue, and he really hit the ground running at six catches last week. Um, and I think this is going to have to be another takeover game for Drake May because UNC, uh, while they're averaging 175 yards on the ground a game, they're only averaging 4.2 yards a carry. And this Miami defensive line is really, really stout. Um, I'm expecting lighter boxes from Miami. They are going to have a ton of DBs on the field with all these weapons that he has with Tez Walker and Nate McCollum. Um, but for UNC, I think they need to establish the run game early to take some of the pressure off Drake May, let him get some play action shots. And I even think they need to run Drake May a little bit more than they have in these past few games. I think he had a couple more carries last week than he did in a few weeks past, but um I think they need to get this run game going early just to take some of the pressure off of him. Um, And then defensively, they've been good, but they can get exposed, especially up front. Um, They're kind of middle of the pack in terms of sacks. They just have 13 this year. And Tyler Van Dyke, while last week was uh, a bit of a struggle, he has been good, especially when he has time to throw and they can scheme stuff open for him. Um, the secondary for UNC has been very good though. They have seven interceptions, which is top 20 in the country. So if they can force Van Dyke to make some tough throws in coverage and they can capitalize it, I think this offense is good enough to get a win at home. Yeah, no, uh, definitely with, without a doubt, uh, I, I'll get right into it and just start defensively for Miami. Cause in my, in my eyes, this is a pretty simple equation, of what you have to do. And again, another thing you alluded to, but you need to utilize Drake. You need to really utilize Drake May. Um, and UNC has been brutal run blocking. They've been creating basically no line push. So really you just need to, in my opinion, kind of sell out for getting pressure against uh, on Drake May. And that I would assume starts with their seemingly all-world uh, D-tackle, D-lineman, and Leonard Taylor, who's been pretty brutal thus far. Uh, I do want to say when we talked about our D-line rankings, I did not have him in my top uh, top four, I think. I think I maybe had him fifth, lowest of us all. Uh, I definitely didn't see I, – I could see him have the tools, but I, I, I not entirely see him put them together on a consistent enough basis. Uh, he hasn't been nearly as dynamic as he was in 2022. He, he needs to have a big game here in a big moment, uh, Have get some pressure up the middle. Um, I would love to see this Miami team kind of even push him outside a little bit, maybe uh, over the tackle. Uh, it'd be really cool to see him utilizing that way. He has the tools to to be efficient out there. Uh, and then lastly, Cam Kitchens, uh, the safety, needs to keep everything in front of him. He's been playing predominantly free safety. He really needs to be the back end of this defense. Uh, I mean, he's awesome. He, he's a top 30, top 40 player in this upcoming draft. So I, I definitely think he has the ability. He needs to mitigate any explosives for this UNC offense for sure. Uh, offensively, uh, TVD can't have three picks. But that's, again, obvious, uh, whether it's by having better play across the O-line or establishing the run to keep the defense honest. Miami needs to keep Van Dyke clean. He, when clean, has a 126 passer rating, which is awesome, uh, opposed to an 85 while under pressure. That's a pretty wide margin. And on those pressure, uh, on those pressure uh, dropbacks where he throws the ball, 4% of those plays be become a turnover so that's definitely where it's going to have to lie 
uh, and where Miami is going to uh, need to turn it around this week after a, a brutal loss, like I said, to their coach. I don't even think you could say they lost to Georgia Tech. They they just lost to their themselves. Uh, for our market report, not a ton to report on as well in this one, but UNC opened up at a a, a home um, at home a one and a half point favorite. Uh, and that number has gone through the key of three and uh, is now at UNC minus three and a half. And for the total it has completely stood pat at 57 and a half, which you think I, that's just, you think that's just because of like vibes from last week for Miami. Uh, there might be there. Might, like they should have won the game. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. People, people have a lot. Uh, let's just say that people have a lot of, uh, they really dictate what they bet on based off of especially coaching staffs and how coaching is going, especially when it comes to sharp money. When you hear someone who is like a professional better or a handicapper, they'll almost always go into talking about the coaching staffs and how that really lines up, you know, between um, between the coaching matchups. So maybe that's why. And obviously it's not helping the fact that the public is talking about it nonstop on Twitter. So everyone's just kind of, that, that might be why, honestly, I don't have the number on, I think UNC is being, Oh, never mind. UNC is being bet actually um, by a wide, wide margin. That probably is a big portion of it at like, at like a 75, 80% clip. So that's right. Why. Right. I think Miami, especially with the start to the season, I think they were really looking f- for, a possible trip to the ACC championship. And now, I mean, that was their first conference game. So you get, you obviously get more chances to get, it, to get it back. But now, I mean, Louisville three and O Florida state's three and already UNC's two and O. So like one blemish, it's tough to, to rebound. I'm curious to see how they start this game. And I think you'll be able to tell early if, uh, if they're coming in with some bad vibes. Definitely. All right, my man, let's get to our last game. We got number 18, UCLA, going to Corvallis. Uh, number 15, Oregon State. Oregon State, a thir- uh, a three-and-a-half-point favorite uh, coming into this game. For me, I think the key to this game is going to be both run games versus the run defenses. Both these teams really have similar styles in offense. They both love the ground-and-pound game, um, but I think which defense can stop the other run offense is going to be who wins the game um, for UCLA. If they don't run it well, I don't think they can win this game. Dante Moore, the freshman quarterback, while they has been absolutely times where he's looked special this season, it's been really up and down. I think he had two picks last week. Um, Carson Steele was great last week. Big reason why they got the win. He'll need to be great. He'll need to churn out first downs and keep their defense off the field and fresh um for this ucla team to win and then defensively they need to get stops early on first and second down make dj beat them i feel like a broken record saying that over and over again but it's true dj was great last week had five throwing touchdowns um but if you can get ahead of the sticks early and let this pass rush with latu and the murphy twins mm-hmm. get after him let them pin their ears back um, they'll have a a chance to to win this game, without a doubt. 
I mean, I'll just pick it up from there because I'll start offensively for Oregon State and these Beavers. And I'll be honest, this this might be a long, long, long day for DJU, who definitely exploded out of nowhere last week with those five touchdowns and basically a perfect passer rating. But sadly for him, this defense is a whole nother beast. He might as well be going from high school to college. This this defense, uh, I've watched most of DJU snaps this year. And if the kid is under pressure, do not expect a positive play at all. Like, not even a little bit. Uh, I mean, against Utah, they started on their own, like, 40, 45, 50, even across to Utah's side of the field religiously because Nate Johnson doesn't know how to play, doesn't know how to throw football. So, and it did not matter because they got pressure every time. It was hilariously bad. Um, I mean, you said it, the, the UCLA pass rushes you know, led by one of the best in the country in Latu, as we talked about in the Murphy twins are, are also awesome. All of them 24, 25 plus pressures already on the year, which is crazy to get out of one pass rushing unit. Um, you, you gotta, gotta get the two headed monster humming in, in Fenwick and Martinez, which can definitely happen for them. They are great. Uh, they really are. But uh, that, that'll definitely be the key of the game for the Beavers. Defensively, you need to make freshman QB Dante Moore look like a freshman. And, I mean, he has a fair bit this year already, as you talked about it, very, very up and down, very volatile. But I, I was very, very encouraged by his performance last week, even though he went, I think, one touchdown, two picks, and only 50% completion. I love that this this UCLA coaching staff let him throw for 44 times. I, I don't know why, but I, I love it. The only way to get progression out of this kid who definitely has the intangibles and definitely is special is to just let him get out there and make the mistakes. So, um, you know, this Bruins offense has an EPA per pass of, you know, negative 0.11. And Moore has a turnover-worthy play 4.3% of the time he has dropped back. Again, those are big negatives, but I, I'm looking. I'm willing to overlook those. You get Carson Steele going. You have a few a few throws that that you let more air out and have potential to beat this Oregon State secondary, which isn't overly special. And uh, you have a good shot uh, for the marker report that this opened at Beavers minus four and a half. And after you UCLA has taken some considerable money, the spread has now been at three three and a half. Uh, but getting a lot of resistance at the key of three for the total. We haven't seen a lot of movement as it opened at 54 and a half and has basically stayed right there. Nice. Yeah. It should be a good one. Um, both these defenses have, have been really good. So um, look for, look for a slugfest in this game. Oh, without a doubt. Without All right, my man, let's cool. get, let's get to the main event. Let's talk some units. Uh, how did we do last week? Looks like you had a very good week last week. Jesus Christ. Wait, let me pull. You're killing us right now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Your pit boss Dean is on fire. I right? wish, I wish I've only been betting my best bets because I'm I'm up huge, obviously. I just want to pull it up. It's actually historic right now. It's pretty crazy. Every other bet I've made has been atrocious. Yeah, you're I, up you're up over eight units in college football and you're up over 13 units in the NFL. I'm up 21.35 units in six weeks of betting. Quite literally ridiculous. We had a we had Bama minus two and a half. I loved that. I had a lot of faith in Jalen Milrow and that and that coaching staff uh really making it easy for him, only short 
and and deep passes, which they did. And then I had a 10-point tease, Texas plus six, Ohio State minus seven, and Washington State plus ten and a half, which I which I underestimated UCLA and had to sweat that one out. But um I'll get into my best bet. Uh and that's gonna be honestly, this is a hammer. I've I think I'm three for three on my five unit bets. So I'm gonna keep it humming, keep it going. But this is another hammer, and that's gotta be UCLA plus three and a half. I I don't know how this is the line. I don't know. I've watched a lot of Oregon State. I am not impressed at all. And UCLA has done a lot that have has impressed me, even with an you know, a freshman quarterback who's been pretty atrocious at times. So I think UCLA plus three and a half. I don't think this Oregon State offense has any success whatsoever. I think they'll load that box. And like you said, just let DJU beat them, which I have zero faith he will. Yeah, you've been outstanding on the five unit bets. And I think that's a large part of why you're up so many units. But you can't get you can't get too fancy with it. You can't. Well, I do. I do it for the fans. I I don't think the fans. I think the fans. <laughs> I, I, spread, I spread the board for the fans. I, I don't think the fans want that. <laughs> um, Ray's not on the pod obviously today, but I will go through his bets. Had a tough week last week. Lost all five units. He had a six point tease <laughs> of Ohio State minus nineteen and a half, which covered by the skin of his teeth. Uh, Mar- uh he had USC minus 15 and a half versus Arizona, obviously didn't cover. And then Miami brutal. minus 14 and a half, which That's didn't cover. Brutal. Um, so brutal tease there. And then he had over 59 in the Washington state UCLA game, um, which is also a dog fight. So lost all five units bet. there. I thought that would be like that. I'm yeah. shocked UCLA's defense was that they, they look suffocating dude. Yeah, they did. Um, for Ray this week, He's got USC money line, one unit, plus 120, uh, but he wrote in parentheses, trap. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he feels great about that one. Uh, and then he's got Oregon money line for two units. That's plus 124. Um, I kind of like that, too. I, I, I've been riding Washington all season, but again, like I said, I think it's not the best matchup for them. Um, and then he rounds out with a two-unit teaser, he has USC plus eight and a half. He has over 38 and a half in Louisville, Pittsburgh. And then he's got Oklahoma State plus nine. Um, and then for me, I split last week. Um, I also hit on, Al- on Alabama minus two and a half for two and a half units. Um, but then lost a teaser in Michigan minus 12 and a half and Notre Dame minus a half, who obviously took an outright loss. Um, for me this week, I start out with a money line parlay, one and a half units plus one ten. I have Maryland at home against Illinois. Maryland, obviously, a tough loss against Ohio State last week, but um, their offense has really been good, and Illinois is just struggling. Um, I have Wisconsin money line at home. This Iowa offense that they're going against has been absolutely miserable. So. I think Wisconsin wins this game easy. And then the game that I think I will sweat out the most, I have JMU at home against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern has been putting up some some good games, but um, JMU, for anybody that, that knows, has been an absolute juggernaut um, for the past, like, five years. So I, I love this one. Um, and then I also have 
Michigan uh, over four and a half total touchdowns um, versus Indiana. It's minus 135 for one and a half units. Michigan has been humming the last few weeks. Um, They're really starting to get their offense going and have even had a couple defensive touchdowns the past few weeks. So like that. And then I rounded out with a two unit six point tease. Um, I got a couple unders here. I got under 62 and a half for Georgia at Vanderbilt. Uh, Georgia looked good re- last week. I think this defense really puts it on him. And I think even if they score 50, I think they hold Vandy down and they're on the road too. So maybe their offense struggles a little bit. And then I have under 60 and a half um, for Penn State, UMass and kind of a similar game script. I think Penn State, even if they get 40, um, They'll hold UMass down. I love it. All right, my friend. That's going to wrap it up for us here on Between Two Tackles. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our week seven college football preview. Stay with us. We got week six of the NFL season coming up. We got some draft stuff coming up. We got a couple mock drafts maybe um, in in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that. As always, please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our Twitter at Two Tackles with the number two. You can also find us on underdogpodcast.com and stick with us. We continue this 2022, 2023, 2024 season. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Dino, appreciate you, brother. Much love.